We're in a series right now, as you well know, uh, called Reset. And the idea behind the series is that we need to rethink the way we think about church. We've been challenging you every, every Sunday, the last several Sundays, to kind of rethink how you think about church. And so in the very first week, we talked about the first church, that if we're really going to reset, maybe that's what we need to go back to the manufacturer's original intentions. And in the first church, on the first week of this series, we saw that church wasn't a place that you attended. It was a movement you were part of, a movement based on the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the good news that he was alive and could give new life to anyone. And so this was the movement that began after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. In the second week of the series, we talked about praying church, that the first church really was a praying church, that when they faced big challenges, they prayed big prayers. And then in the third week in the series, last week, we talked about bold church. The message of Jesus got out of the first century to us because the first Christians prayed for boldness. And I've challenged you this week, every day, just to pray a prayer something like this. God, would you enable me to speak your word with great boldness? That's right out of Scripture, right out of the book of Acts. Now today I want to talk to you about persecuted church. In Acts chapter 4, we looked at last week, when the people of God began to pray for boldness, one of the things that we really didn't deal with very much is why did they need to pray for boldness? And the reason that they needed to pray for boldness was this, listen carefully, they began to experience something they had not experienced before. They began to experience persecution as followers of Jesus. The reason that they came back to their church and they began to pray for boldness was because they began to experience the pressure and the pain and the problems of persecution. Let me remind you what we looked at in Acts chapter 4. Peter and John, the number one and number two guy in the church, were arrested. For the very first time, it became a crime to be a follower of Jesus Christ. They were actually arrested simply because of their faith in Jesus Christ. They were placed in jail overnight. And they were threatened and they were warned. And then Peter and John did something amazing. They went right back out into the streets. They began to preach again the good news of Jesus Christ and His death, burial, and resurrection. Knowing that they would get themselves in trouble. And indeed they did. But this time it was not just them. This time it was not just John and Peter. This time it was all the apostles that were present. They they didn't just arrest the two leaders. This time they arrested all the apostles. And here's what I want you to see, church, and we'll be looking at it very carefully today. I want you to notice as we go through the book of Acts today an escalation in the persecution. In Acts chapter 4, they're arresting the two leaders of the church, Peter and John. But in Acts chapter 5, they are arresting all the apostles. There's this escalation in the persecution. Open your Bibles, if you haven't already, to Acts chapter 5. Let's look at the text together. We're going to be looking at a lot of different verses, just kind of walking through the book of Acts. Acts chapter 5, verse 17 Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy 
And they arrested, here's where it says, they arrested the apostles. Not just Peter, not just John, all 12 of them. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. Now, for sake of time, skip down to verse 27. They were debating what to do with them. And it says in verse 27, Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. And they said to Peter and John and the rest of the apostles, We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name. They can't even say the name of Jesus. They don't even want to say the name of Jesus. They said, We gave you strict orders not to say anything in this name. Yet, you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter, verse 29, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than men. And then they, he explains it a little further, and then they're trying to decide what to do. And They really want to be severe in their punishment, but a man named, a Pharisee named Gamaliel stands up and basically says to the rest of the group, the rest of the Sanhedrin, hey, hey, let's give it some time. Let, let's not be too severe yet. Let's give it some time and see where this thing goes. So skipping down to verse 40. His speech persuaded them, and they called the apostles in and had them flogged. Now, don't, don't, don't read past that too quickly. Here's another escalation in the persecution. First arrested the leaders, Peter and John. Then the next time arrested all the apostles. And this time we're not just going to threaten you. This time we're going to back it up with something painful. This time, all the apostles were flogged. They basically took a whip. It was called a cat of nine tails. Had pieces of wood or steel or bone in the ends of the strips on the whip. And the whip, as they would, the whip would pull the skin, rip the skin right off their backs. It's believed that they probably, the standard in that day, that they probably received 39 lashes. Each man getting whipped across his back 39 times. Each man being whipped, listen to this, being whipped simply because they're followers of Jesus Christ. And every time, months later, years later, every time they changed shirts, Every time they took a bath, it was a visual reminder this day. So, here's the question. How would you respond to something like that? Listen, standing there in line, listening to the snap of the whip, listening to the cries of pain as you stood in line waiting for your turn. How would you respond? Well, I want you to notice how they responded. Chapter 5, verse 40, the second part of the verse. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Now, now, now here's what they did. Listen, church, here's what they did. We're going to whip you 39 times. We're going to rip your back open. Then we're going to threaten you. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. Don't you dare keep doing what you're doing. Or you'll pay a higher price than this. 
verse 41. This is, are you ready for this? This is amazing. Verse 41. The apostles left the Sanhedrin. They left this place where they were whipped. They left with bloody backs. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Rejoicing because they had been found worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. The Puritan preacher Richard Baxter said that God's people should be more concerned that they deserve the persecution than that they be delivered from it because deserving it would be evidence of their faithfulness to the Lord. That's pretty good. Now, if you had been whipped, if you had been threatened, if you had been warned, can we agree it would be tempting tempting to say, okay, let's bring it down a notch. Maybe we don't need to be so radical in our belief. Maybe we don't need to share so. Maybe we need to just kind of quiet it down a little bit. Maybe we just need to be a little more timid, silent. Maybe we need to stop. Look at the text. That's not, that's not what they did at all. Verse 42. Look at the text. Day after day in the temple courts, right there in, the, in public, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, because that's the, where that, the churches were in that day, were in their houses. So day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Everybody look up here. It's a little bit embarrassing, isn't it? Isn't it a little bit embarrassing to, to have this much freedom? To have this kind of a church and have so little boldness? Do you know what, how little it takes to stop us? Your pastor included? Isn't it a little bit uncomfortable to think about how little boldness we sometimes have? How easily we're distracted? How, how we talk ourselves out of sharing our faith simply because they might laugh at us. Uh, they, they might not understand. They, they might be offended. Day after day in the temple courts, as their backs were literally healing from the beating, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching Jesus. And you, you know what else never didn't stop? The persecution didn't stop. In fact, there, was, there continued to be this escalation of persecution. I'll ask them to put that on the screen. I've got a slide here to kind of help you to understand this escalation in the persecution. Notice in the bottom left corner, Acts chapter 4, number 1, Acts chapter 4, that, that two leaders were arrested, John and Peter. They, they were arrested and, and they were threatened. That's kind of the first step in the persecution. And then we go to Acts chapter 5, which is number 2 there, and that is all 12 apostles. We've just talked about that. All 12 apostles, they were arrested, they were threatened, just like Peter and John, but now they are flogged. And now they are ordered ordered to be silent. And then we go to Acts chapter 6 and 7, which is number 3. And in Acts chapter 6 and 7, the escalation of persecution continues because now you're not beating a man, now you're killing him. Stephen, the first martyr. 
Now they decide to, to take it up a notch. Rather than just whipping him and ordering him to be silent, they just decide to make him silent. They decide to take his life. And the persecution escalates. As Acts chapter 6 and 7, Stephen's falsely accused. He's put to death. And then when you get to Acts chapter 8, what you find is this. When the Jewish leaders discovered that Rome didn't come down on them for killing Stephen, it was like lighting a match, lighting a fuse. And all of a sudden, the persecution spread everywhere. There was an all-out assault on the church, and it was everywhere. Wherever they found Christians, they wanted to persecute them. It's amazing to watch, to see it unfold. Let's, let's take the Bible and just read some of the text and let you see it for yourself. Acts chapter 7 is where we're going to go. Acts chapter 7, verse 54. This is about Stephen. It says, when they heard this, Stephen is giving a, his testimony, and when they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at him. But Stephen full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this they covered their ears and yelled, yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. I wish we had the time just to stop for a moment and, and to absorb this, that now for the first time, the church, the believers in the first church, are experiencing martyrdom simply because of their testimony of what they've seen and what they've heard about Jesus. So let's go on to chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul was there giving approval to his death, to the death of Stephen. And on that day, on that day a great persecution, notice this, you ought to underline this in your Bible. On that day a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. On the same day that Stephen's blood was shed, on the same day that Stephen was martyred, a great persecution broke out now against the whole church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. They had to leave their homes. It wasn't safe anymore to stay in Jerusalem. They had to leave their homes. Imagine being run out of your home because it's no longer safe for you as a Christian to live there. They had to leave all of their possessions. They had to leave perhaps some of their family. They had to leave their homes. They had to get out of town in order to survive. Now, chapter 9. I'm building a case. Stay with me. I'm building a case. Acts chapter 9, verse 1. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that's followers of Jesus, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So here's Saul. Here's how the persecution is now spreading and escalating. It's no longer contained in Jerusalem. Now it goes so far north as Damascus. Saul is so driven in his anger towards Christians. He, he is daring to go all the way to Damascus looking for Christians and as he finds them, putting them in prison 
or worse. So again, we're just trying to paint a picture and build a case. So let's skip over to Acts chapter 11, verse 18. Acts chapter 11, verse 18. No, verse 19. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch telling the message only to the Jews. I just want you to notice here. I want you to notice how far away the persecution is now spreading. How far the people are being pushed away from their homeland. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church. So now, it's not just the the Jewish leaders who are doing this. Now King Herod is getting in on it as well. Watch this. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to do what, church? Intending to persecute them. He had them arrested for one reason. He had them arrested for one purpose. King Herod has decided, I want to get in on this too. And he arrested some to persecute them. And then look what it says in verse 2. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. One of the great leaders of the first church. All of a sudden is executed with the sword. Don't miss that. Don't miss Lessen that because you've read it before. Please understand what that felt like to the first church. When one of their pastors, when one of their leaders was suddenly killed. Because he's a follower of Jesus. Verse 3, when they saw, when he saw, when King Herod saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. So the church is all, all of a sudden now, that they've lost James, one of their leaders. Now Peter, one of their leaders, is, is arrested as well. He's probably going to meet the same fate. And so they begin to pray for him. Just for sake of time, let's just run to the end of the book, or near the end of the book, Acts chapter 26. Acts chapter 26. I'm just trying to paint a picture for you real quickly. Acts chapter 26, verses 9 through 11. Paul is giving his testimony before King Agrippa. Paul has been arrested for preaching Christ and And he's giving his testimony in Acts chapter 26, verse 9. I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Paul's talking about, before I got saved, before I came to faith in Christ, I was one of those people who persecuted the church and who persecuted Christians. And so Paul's giving this testimony. He says, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Look what he goes on to say. That is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priest, I put many of the saints in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time, I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished. And I tried to force them to blaspheme. Notice this next sentence. In my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. 
Now, I had you read all of those texts to make this point. I want you to listen carefully. Over in the Life Center, I want to make sure you get this. Here's my point. From the very first days of the church, it was normal to experience persecution. So why should we think that we're going to avoid it? From the very first days of the church, the very first Christians experienced persecution again and again and again and again. It was normal to experience persecution. It was normal to be jailed for your faith. It was normal to be killed for being a follower of Jesus. It was normal in the first century with the first Christians to experience persecution. So why do we think that we somehow should be exempt from it? In fact, if you read your Bible, the Bible says just the opposite. You see, the Scriptures say this. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Well, well you know, Pastor, uh, that, that word everyone, um, I don't think it means everyone. Not, not here in Powdersville. Not here in Easley. I wish we had the time. I'm just going to give you the reference. I'm running out of time. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, listen, they persecuted me. They're going to persecute you. John chapter 15, the same thing. They're going to persecute you because they hated me. 1 Peter 4, verse 12 through 19. Peter said in 1 Peter 4, 12, he says, why do you think persecution is, is something that's strange that's happening to you? Why do you act like it's something strange that's happening to you? The Lord Jesus told us it would happen. You see, from the very first days of the church, from the very first days of the church, God's people have been falsely accused, cruelly persecuted, and unjustly killed. Why in the world do we think because of where we live and the time in which we live, we somehow should be exempt from it? Our brothers and sisters in Christ all around the world are experiencing persecution today just like in the book of Acts. I want to read you just a few stats, and I hope these don't just go over your head because these are real stats about real people who are followers of Jesus just like you, except they don't have the privilege of being born in Powdersville or Easley or Anderson. These are people just like you, except they were born in India or they were born in Afghanistan or they were born in China or in North Korea. And because of where they live, it costs them something to be a follower of Jesus like you are a follower of Jesus. Here's a few stats. Over 200 million Christians are facing persecution for their faith in Jesus today. 200 million Christians around the world are facing persecution today. Every six minutes, a Christian is martyred for their faith around the world. Every six minutes. Every month, on average, 214 churches and Christian properties are destroyed. There is a global war on Christianity. Let me give you one example, and then we're going to watch a little video to help you understand what it's like in these areas. 
tell you this story real quickly. In the early morning light, a small group of North Korean believers meets on the riverbank and they quietly get all their fishing gear and put it in the, in the little boats. As they load their small, small boat, they push off to land and they get out into the middle of the river. And it's not in, until they get out into the middle of the river that they actually start digging through their, uh, their gear. As they're digging through their gear, they pull out their Bible out of the fishing gear. See, the real reason that they're there on the river this morning, early, early, as the light is just starting to come up, is not to go fishing. They're really there to do a Bible study. And the only place where it's safe for them to do a Bible study is out in the middle of the river where no one can see and no one can hear that they're having a worship service, an open Bible. If they're caught reading their Bible in North Korea, if they're caught reading their Bible, they could immediately be sentenced to 15 years in a labor camp for reading this book. And the reason that they're on that little boat in the middle of that river trying to read their Bible together and have some semblance of a worship service is because their family members have already been arrested. And some of them have been buried in those labor camps in North Korea. And that's just one of hundreds of stories that we could tell you of brothers and sisters in Christ who paid a great price as followers of Jesus. i got so much more I want to share with you, but I'm out of time. So let's watch this video because it really does encapsulate what it means to be a follower of Jesus in a hard place in other parts of the world. Let's watch this together. Hallelujah, 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 Kadus, 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 Balfat, Zamina Sman Kefal Kamalik, Tirashukada Kates Piermaka Kilikituniman Zamima Bakhdia, Tirashukada Kate Akadana Subakilia Kudanda, Kitunimar Zamima Baksha, Kinay Subadi Sakia Kudanda, Akadan Tirashukada Kate Bachokilia Kudanda. Today in Pakistan, we Christians are second-class citizens. Though we have committed no crime, we are ostracized and banished to the lowest place in society. Often we are forced to leave our villages and our own homes. We cannot get good jobs.
and we have no voice in government. What is left for us is servitude. Sewage work. And we know we will never advance. We have a church, a place where Christians come together to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, to sing His praise, to study His word. For while our country has turned its back on us, God has not. Sometimes it is not easy. The loss, the injustice. So please remember to pray for us. That we will continue to live together in fellowship. That we will continue to see the joy of the Lord in our lives and that we will persevere in our faith no matter the cost. And please remember, we are praying for you. so far away. They're suffering in ways we can't imagine, much less control. What do we do? Hebrews 13, chapter 13, verse 3, gives us the answer. Turn there quickly. Hebrews 13, chapter 3 says this, Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. God says, you remember them as if you are the one assigned to clean the sewage out of the sewer. God said, you remember them as if you are the one that's arrested and put in prison. God says, I want you to remember your brothers and sisters in Christ as if you are the one being persecuted. And so today as you're leaving, uh, 
uh, on the tables out front, on the table right out here, and if you're in the Life Center watching, uh, on the, the desk out front, uh, there's going to be some ribbons like this one and an orange band. And I intentionally did not order one for everyone because I know how it is. I know how you just take them, you don't use them. So we have a small amount, and the idea is if you're really going to wear it, take it. If you're not really going to use it, leave it. All right, is that fair? And so there's not going to be enough for everyone. I know that. Don't come to me after service and say, well, we ran out. We're going to run out. Understand that. But the, the idea is, if you're going to take it, wear it. And remember, use this to remind yourself this week how blessed you are. And that you have brothers and sisters around the world who are not blessed like you are. Remember. Second thing we can do is this. We can pray for those who are persecuted. And again, in those same areas, you'll find some papers there. And there's, there's going to be a lot more of those. But information on how you can pray. Here it is. Ten different ways that you can pray for the, for the persecuted church. Please go by and pick those up. As well as there's another paper out there about some of the, uh, the, the rankings for the, the highest uh, persecution. Country ranking of Christian persecution. And uh, so that would be some good information for you. We can remember them and we can pray for them. Here's the third thing. Listen to this and with this I close. Listen. We can decide that we will live for Jesus in our context. Regardless of the cost. Here's what I mean by that. You see, we're fortunate people. We don't live in India. We don't live in Pakistan. We don't live in Vietnam or China. We live in Powdersville. We live in Easley. We live in Liberty. We live in Anderson. We're likely not going to face the kind of persecution you saw in that video. We're not going to face the kind of persecution you, you read about in Voice of the Martyrs magazine. We're likely not going to experience that. But that's really not the issue. The issue is this. Will you decide to live for Jesus in your context? regardless of the cost? Will you decide that regardless of, of what it may cost you, that you're going to stand up for Jesus and live for Jesus in your context? The people you saw in the video, that's all they're doing. They're living for Jesus in their context. Their context is a lot harder than yours and mine. But the real issue today, the real challenge for us is this. Will you decide to live for Jesus in your context? And be willing to pay a price when it may not be easy. That's all God asks of you. He wants you to live in such a way that you're living for Jesus in your context. You bow with me as I pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we do want to remember those who are suffering today. We want to remember those who are having a, a secret church service because of fear of persecution or arrest or death. We ask for your grace to be sufficient. We ask you to minister to them. We ask that they will find joy in their relationship with you. And we ask for their protection. Father, we pray that you'd help us to live out our faith too. 
Help us to live out our faith in such a way that we're willing to stand up for Jesus and live our lives for Jesus regardless of the cost or the consequences. And I pray in the name of Jesus that the gospel will go forth. And God, we continue to pray this prayer. Would you enable us? Would you empower us? Would you give us boldness to live out our faith and to share the Word of God? And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.